0: I'm Marie Ortenberger, and you're listening to Echoes, a production of Great Lakes Echo. When I was little, I read in a Zoo Books magazine that I could help save otters if I just turned off the tap while I was brushing my teeth. Even though I'm old enough now to know that I'm not single-handedly saving the lives of those adorable mammals, I still think about the otters every time I brush my teeth, and I always turn off the tap. So when my partner told me he didn't do that, I was incredulous, on behalf of the otters. But the more we talked about it, I realized that neither of us really knew why conserving water in the household was important. We could understand it for Californians, who must contend with drought, but we live in Michigan. We're surrounded by the world's largest source of fresh water. And all the water we use just goes back to the water treatment center, right? Won't it just be treated and returned to us? I consulted Elaine Isley, the Water and Low Impact Development Programs Director at the West Michigan Environmental Action Council, or WEMIAC. I asked her why we are encouraged to conserve water even in areas where it is abundant. She told me that household water conservation isn't necessarily about immediate water scarcity. It's about putting more distance between us and the water scarcity we'll face in the future.
1: The reason that we should be conserving water is because even though we seem to have enough to be able to use now we need to consider future generations. Uh, The reality is is that our planet is warming and with global climate change we are seeing a lot of significant events which could continue to impact our availability of water. Uh, They're seeing it in California, they see it in other drought ridden regions in the world. Water levels are high right now but we know that won't always be the case. And
0: on top of that, we have to anticipate that other areas will be asking for water from the Great Lakes Basin. Waukesha, Wisconsin is already doing that.
1: There is a current proposal, and they are talking about getting it back to Lake Michigan, but it's it's an artificial way to do that, which doesn't necessarily mean it's not getting back into the system.
0: Coming up with artificial ways to divert water back into its appropriate basin is expensive, elaborate, and ultimately, Isley said, can probably be held off for a while.
1: We're talking about new, more and more process to artificially take water from one place to give it to another place that needs it, instead of working on how do we change our behavior to not need as much water, or to find ways to, to utilize water more smartly.
0: In light of these future threats to our resources, it just makes more sense to instill good water conservation practices now. At the very least, it'll stave off the worst of them a little longer. So what can you do to conserve water? There are a number of simple, unintrusive changes in everyday practices like brushing your teeth, showering, or washing your dishes that can make a big difference if everybody does it.
1: Well, some of the, the easier ways to conserve water, um, as you mentioned, are to turn off the tap when you're washing dishes or turn off the tap when you're brushing your teeth. Uh, to not just leave water running. It's kind of like turning off the lights when you leave the room. It's not necessary to just burn the resource. Um, One of the big ones uh, for homeowners is don't water your lawn in the middle of the day when the heat the sun is the highest in the sky so that it just because more is going to evaporate than is going to end up on your lawn. Using more
0: water-efficient washing machines helps too. All that water saving could also translate into a lower water bill for city dwellers and a lower energy bill from not having to heat as much water. Mike Lunn, the environmental services manager for the city of Grand Rapids, Michigan, told me that more water conservation saves energy on their end, too, which means less fuel needed to process wastewater.
1: But it's not just about using less water, Isley said. There's there's a lot of water here, and we do sometimes take it for granted. Um, But we also abuse it. Uh, We we pollute it. Uh, Everything we do on the land affects the water,
0: Isley pinpointed our influence on stormwater as an issue of concern. Land development has made it much more difficult for rainfall to make it back into the watershed. And along the way, it picks up sediment, thermal, and chemical pollutants.
1: In West Michigan, any drop of rain that, that hits one of our watersheds takes 15 minutes before it's in um, the, the waterway at the most. So think of where we are sitting here right now, 15 minutes for a drop of rain that hits here to get to the Grand River. Because the water can't soak in to the earth, it doesn't replenish the resource as well as it used to um, because it take, it, it's being diverted to other parts of the different watersheds. Mostly, the water that's going to hit the ground is going to end up in the watershed of origin, but as I talked about with Waukesha, there are exceptions. We, we keep rerouting things and we keep redoing things.
0: There are ways you can help diminish the pollutants that make it into stormwater. One way is by collecting rainwater in rain barrels to save the water for later use. Many environmental organizations have information on how to use rain barrels. Isley's organization, WEMIAC, hosts rain barrel workshops to teach people about them.
1: So we have a rain barrel program which is actually part of our stormwater education program. So. Uh, if you have downspouts on your house, we, you can just connect the downspout and put a rain barrel under it. And a rain barrel is, is simply a, a receptacle. Uh, we use recycled barrels from our partners at DeWitt Barrels. That, and we put some fittings on them, and we ho- host a workshop. We talk about the impacts of stormwater and how what we do on the land affects the quality of that water. And the rain barrel workshop, we, we help you build the barrel, tell you how to install it, tell you how to maintain it. That is one way to capture the runoff from your roof. Um, That technically is free water that you can then use to water your plants or even water your grass if you're good with a soaker hose. But I mean, there's ways to reuse that water in times when it's not as rainy. Uh, There's not as much precipitation.
0: And potential developers can keep things like green roofs and porous pavement in mind. Green roofs are essentially rooftop gardens that absorb rainwater. Porous pavement absorbs rainwater so that it soaks back into the earth instead of having to travel to the nearest waterway.
1: There are lots of green infrastructures that can be put into place. So green infrastructure has become sort of a term of art of how to try to manage stormwater in a more naturalistic way, which isn't always green. So porous pavement is for an example. It's not green, literally. But it does help with the water to soak in naturally. We have a green roof on this building, so that helps absorb the water where it falls. Isley
0: also told me about rain gardens, which collect rainwater and then let it slowly reintegrate into the waterways via the groundwater table.
1: A rain garden is not what most people picture a garden to be. It's actually a, a, usually a, a depression in the earth, so it's, it's, it's not raised up. And it's designed to hold water for a short period of time and then to let it infiltrate. So you don't want that right next to your foundation. Um, the, the normal recommendation is 10 feet away from the foundation. Now, a green roof might be cost prohibitive for many people. Porous pavement is becoming more accessible, but still, it's tough. Um, uh, the city of Grand Rapids has been putting a lot of it in parking strips. So it, it, it I mean, there's, there's considerations there, but a rain garden most people should be able to put in a fairly small rain garden to help, again, capture some of the the runoff from their roof. So there are things that people can do. They can also help pick up their pet waste. They can help um, with the amount of of water going into the drain, so washing your car on the lawn as opposed to on the driveway where it just runs down. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of little things you can do,
0: Ultimately, Isley told me that one person installing a 55-gallon rain barrel isn't going to solve the stormwater problem. Just like I alone cannot save all the otters. But a single contribution to an entire community changing their ways to improve stormwater quality makes all the difference. While it might be hard to see the effects of being more conscious about your water use, there's good reason to believe that doing so will make things easier on people who inhabit the region
1: in the future. The problems that we see with, with environmental issues is that a lot of people have a really hard time embracing it as a problem until it's really a problem. Um, that's, that's not universal. People do conserve. We, we have learned to recycle. We have learned to do certain things. But while we're recycling all of our soda and, and pop cans, We're drinking bottled water more and more and creating more waste. If we had less waste to start with, then we would be saving ourselves problems. And it's the same thing with water. If if we can learn to use less of it to do the things that we normally need to do without wasting it, then that saves more for later. And and I, I, this isn't a doom and gloom, tomorrow nobody's going to have water. But the reality is, is that we really need to start looking at it as a, as a finite resource.
0: This podcast was recorded, edited, produced, etc. by myself, Marie Orton Bricker. Thanks for listening. What do you do to conserve water? Let us know in the comments.